just moving forward was probably one of the most important lessons that he taught me. He went through something so horrible, but he was always able to laugh and have a smile on his face. He was incredibly warm. And everyone goes through hard times. Everyone experiences negativity and difficulty in their life. But being able to move forward from that, to be able to rebuild and continue, and maybe you reflect back on some of those experiences, but not allowing them to define the rest of your life is probably the most important lesson that he taught me. This is the M Squared Podcast featuring author Miranda Mathis. You will hear tips, tricks, and inspiration that will help you raise and educate little ones who are happy, safe, and kind. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to season two of the M Squared Books podcast with the talented author and speaker, Miranda Mathis. So today we're going to have a really interesting conversation with Michelle Weinfeld uh, about storytelling, family history, accepting cultural heritage, and more. Um, You're not going to want to miss this. It's going to be fun. So hi, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Miranda. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good to see you guys. Yes. Always a pleasure. um, Tell us a little bit about who you are, Michelle, and what you do. Hi, my name is Michelle Weinfeld. I am the author of my intergenerational memoir, From Generation to Generation, a memoir of food, family, and identity in the aftermath of the Shoah. It's a intergenerational memoir about me and my grandfather, who was a Holocaust survivor, our relationship, his life story, and the life lessons that he's taught me. So cool. Wonderful. wonderful, wonderful. I know I saw you at um, you were at Ramapo College recently, correct? Yeah, I did an event at Ramapo about a week ago. Yeah, that was very nice, and I'm so glad I'm with you today because we're going to touch on some of those things, and I'm sure uh, my audience will love to hear what you have to say because you have so many memories to share with them, especially personal memories. And I can't wait to get into this. I would like to begin with just asking you, what's your experience like? You know, when you speak to your grandfather, do you still feel that emotion um, when he tells his stories of what happened to him during the Holocaust? Absolutely. Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away about two years ago, but every time... Thank you. Every time I speak and share his story, I feel connected with him. And Mm. I feel like this is a really important way doing events, speaking with you today, just getting out the important life lessons and the messages that he taught me uh, helps me feel connected to him even now. Well, there's, first of all, my condolences to you again. Um, kids can have a complicated relationship with their cultural identity at times. And it's especially when they're surrounded by people that are different, other kids having different cultures, they're in their own. So can you give us some insight on this from your own experience? Absolutely. And I have had you know, hands-on experience of children not being nice. When I was in kindergarten, I would eat 
a very traditional Eastern European lunch. My mom would make me egg noodles with cottage cheese and uh, raisins that I put cinnamon and sugar on and mix it all together when I got to school. And it was one of my favorite foods. But one day when I was younger, someone, as I was mixing it together, a girl poured her apple juice into it. Wow. And it was a really hard experience as a kid. This food that to me was incredibly normal was not something other kids necessarily ate or saw. And that experience made me not want to eat one of my favorite foods. And I think I went until maybe high school before I ate that again. So starting off with the fact that some kids can be mean when they don't understand, it's hard and it can be upsetting and it can make you feel shame of where you came from or what your family eats or does, traditions that you have. And I think what's interesting is that while we may eat different foods, for example, Mm -hmm. a lot of the reasons why we eat what we eat are similar. They connect us to our family. They evoke positive memories. They do something that connects us in a way that is really unique. And I think that, you know, while it can be hard to be proud of where you come from, if you get exposure and understanding out to children, They're very receptive. Children, their first instinct is not to be mean. It's more that they don't understand why you're doing something. It's not necessarily a bad intention. I don't know why this girl poured apple juice in my food. Maybe she thought that it was like cooking and she was adding something to it. And I think there's a little bit of compassion you have to have when somebody eats something that doesn't smell the way or look the way that you may be eating at home. You know... (laughs) It's like everyone, every culture had have a specific food that they eat. For example, I love lima beans and okra. You know, that's because my parents are from the South. So there are certain foods that attribute to, the, to our cultures or the love we have of what happened during that time. I used to, I still to this day love visiting the South because that food, the food, the cooking is different. When I get it in New Jersey, it's not the same. Absolutely. So I, I understand equating culture to food and loving it. Even if someone seeing me eat, some people like pig feet. I don't eat pig feet. I don't like it. My my sister used to love it, but it's just that certain foods they they they're accepted by certain cultures because it's a love. It reminds them of where they came from. So. Talking about teaching diversity to kids is very important and teaching them kindness. That's why I write the books that I write, because I want parents to instill kindness. So how do you think parents and teachers can encourage a stronger acceptance and appreciation of cultural heritage in children? I think the first and the easiest step comes from just exposure. People don't understand what something is. If you're a kid and you see someone eating something that you've never seen before, there's a curiosity. And I think Mm -hmm. by bringing those differences in culture, in food, in tradition to the front of the table and having a discussion on what this is, why it's done is 
something really easy to start that conversation. And I mean, within a family home, something really easy you could do is go out to eat at a cultural restaurant from somewhere that maybe you don't always go to. And you can try something new. You may like certain things, you may not like certain things, but being able to see that and see that there is an entire group of people that enjoy something, it's important to be able to see why. You know, we encourage kids to color and use different colors in crayon box. Well, that represents who we are. We're colors in the in the in the uh, the box, the crayon box. So if we're we're teaching them that there are many colors, there's many colors in a rainbow. There's many colors when you walk outside. Then we need to do the same thing when it comes to identity and accepting another person's cultural cultural traditions or even religion. Just be acceptance, accept it. You know, we 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 have to learn to do that. And if we do it, then we can teach our kids to do it. We must teach our kids to do it. So I, I definitely understand um, when you talk about, you know, cultural diversity and acceptance. But can you share some key areas of where you or others have been influenced by the previous generations? I mean, I'm a grandfather, so I, I couldn't wait to get to this question and ask. So pretty much every time I went to my grandfather's house, I sat at his kitchen table with him. We cooked together. We ate. And while we were eating, he would always share stories with me. It wasn't just about his life before the war, but his life growing up or having my mom grow up in America, what it was like for her going to school, what it was like for him getting a job, you know, not really speaking the language and then having to learn it. And I think that this bonding opportunity that I was able to have, it made me have such a strong connection with my family's roots, hearing about Hungary and Eastern Europe, but also understanding the struggles that my parents went through, the struggles that my grandparents went through, and obviously having food as that connecting piece, it forced me to sit down and actually listen. And I love my grandfather. He was one of the most inspiring, incredible people that I knew. And for him, this was an excuse to get to spend time with me. And if he could tell me a funny story or something really crazy that happened in his life, I mean, he lived almost 100 years. He had some pretty good stories. Then mm. he was teaching me, maybe not intentionally, but he was teaching me important life lessons that I still carry to this day. Wonderful. Wonderful. I know, like I said, I, I listened to your, um, you were at Raymond Poe College and I was on the Zoom call and I listened to, to you share some of the things and experiences that your, your grandfather went through. Do you want to touch on a, a little bit of that? Just if you can sum it all up. Um, so the people, so the audience will know where you're coming from when you speak about him and his story. Yeah. Um, his life. So my grandfather was born in 1925 in Eastern Europe. He was born in Munkach at the time. It was in Czechoslovakia, but my family's always identified as Hungarian because of the greater Austro-Hungarian empire for a little bit of history. And my grandfather, when he was about high school age, Hitler rose to power in Germany and everything that happened in the Holocaust kind of came to ensue. I 
don't know the age group exactly of everyone listening, so I'll spare some of the more grueling details. But ultimately, my grandfather lost both of his parents in the Holocaust. He lost his brother. And he went through one of the worst things that's happened in modern history. And after this war, he had to completely rebuild his life. He had to rebuild his family, his relationship with religion, with everything, the way that he perceived the world. And ultimately, he moved to the United States with one of his sisters who survived the war in 1950. And he had to completely restart. He had no money. He had no real resources or way to get by. He worked. And he met my grandmother. He built a life for my mom and my aunt. And that kind of passed down to us that those values of hard work, those values of family being the most important thing in the world, both family that you're born into and the family that you choose. And from there, also just moving forward was probably one of the most important lessons that he taught me. He went through something so horrible, but he was always able to laugh and have a smile on his face. He was incredibly warm. And everyone goes through hard times. Everyone experiences negativity and difficulty in their life. But being able to move forward from that, Mm -hmm. to be able to rebuild and continue, and maybe you reflect back on some of those experiences, but not allowing them to define the rest of your life is probably the most important lesson that he taught me. Wow, that's wonderful. Well, I want to say thank you for sharing your story and being a, and participating in M Squared Books podcast. I really enjoyed hearing everything you had to say, and it was a pleasure. I know we speak outside of this, but I just wanted people to know who you were and to see that there are amazing people out there. And we need to be more accepting of people that look different, that are different than us. You know, whether they're male, female, or whatever they choose they want to be. We have to begin to to work together and be more unified, you know, because guess what? We all want the same thing. We want progress. We want love. We want happiness. We want peace. Absolutely. If we can... If we all want the same thing, then we should all want and realize that we can't do it alone. We need each other. So thank you for being a uh, part of the the podcast. I really do appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. And thanks for listening. I just wanted to jump in and ask too, um, this is so inspiring. Actually, it's inspiring me to go ask my grandma. I have just one grandma left. I want to go ask her some more questions and hear her stories because that is so precious, like being able mm-hmm. to hear the stories from the past and learn from your what your grandparents went through. I think that's something we can all take away from this for sure. Um, I think we oftentimes look at our grandparents and we see them as old people. Old people. <laughs> But there was a time when they were where we are now. They lived so much life. There's so much to learn from both our parents and our grandparents if we still have them. Yeah, they're a treasure trove, for sure. 
so, so true. I was wondering if if we have time for this. Um, are there any particular stories that are your favorites or that stand out that your um, grandfather told you? I think one of my favorite things that I found out when I was talking to my grandfather to write the book was growing up, there's this Jewish tradition around Purim. Purim is one of our holidays. Mm -hmm. And we bake these triangle-shaped cookies called hamantaschen. Ever since I was a little girl, my mom and I would bake hamantaschen. And we'd make little packages called mishloach manot, these little care packages with some treats in it, the cookies we bake. And we deliver them to our friends around the neighborhood. And honestly, all over town, my mom would always make extra because inevitably there'd be somebody we forgot and we have to drive, you know, across town to go deliver it. <laughs> and I was talking to my grandfather about baking with my mom and about delivering these, these Mishloch Manot. And he went, well, it's funny, you know, I used to do that on my bicycle. And a tradition that I did growing up all the time. I didn't know that my grandfather and his family did the same thing. Mm -hmm. He rode around on his bicycle and he would deliver them to all the houses in town. Wow. The funniest part, he said that if they got one and he didn't like what was in it, he would recycle what was in it to go give it to somebody else, which is maybe <laughs> something I should have followed when I was doing it. <laughs> Too funny. Oh my gosh. That's wow. so funny. What a way to connect to beyond mm -hmm. the generations. You all had this same little memory and special thing that you're able to do so that's really cool i love that um so can you tell us a little bit about your memoir i know we probably heard like bits and pieces while we talked just now but let people know um about your book and maybe any other projects you're working on and how they can find you or get in touch yeah so i'm not currently writing anything else this was very much a labor of love for me I've always known that I wanted to share my grandfather's story. And ever since I was probably in elementary school, too young to read Holocaust stories, I would always read them. And so I always knew I wanted to write a book about my grandfather and his life story and the whole rebuilding after the fact aspect. But as I began writing, I realized that I had... I've been influenced so much by the fact that my grandfather is a survivor. There are so many things that I've learned from him and so many aspects of my life that are influenced by this. And I felt that it wouldn't be fair or true if I didn't also share my own experience. So I talked about what it was like growing up in a very secular America, having, being Jewish and trying to be proud of that experiencing anti-Semitism, which we're seeing now, and especially it's very much in the media. And then how I've learned to accept and be proud of where I come from and to share those experiences. And I guess to connect with me, I am on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can buy my book wherever you buy books, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Amazon directly for me. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Um, one last thing we always do at the end of the podcast, we like to give people like a nugget or two, something that they can take with them into their week um, to maybe 
you know, act on what they've learned in the podcast. So um, what can people do this week to be more intentional about how they pass on important lessons, history, um, or culture to their children? I think thinking of a tradition that you did growing up, something that you did, especially for me, family is so important. Having a family meal where you all sit and intentionally spend time together, giving opportunity to share those stories. Or if you want to go on more and accepting of others route, go to a restaurant, go to a bakery, have a food that you wouldn't normally eat from a culture that's different than yours. And I mean, especially with kids, I think everybody likes sugar. Try a dessert, something easy that everybody will probably like. And you get to maybe have something that's different. I love that. Oh, we need to I do like more that. of that. Food is mm-hmm. a unifier, I think. Absolutely. It sure is. If world it's peace different. ever comes, it will be over food. Like 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Michelle. This was a great conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And we'll talk again. Absolutely. Let's go Giants. Yes. All right. Bye, ladies. Thanks for listening. Head over to msquarebooks.com where you can find all the latest books and hear about upcoming events like live readings. See you next time.